From a late night radio station in Carmel, California, it's the IGN DigiGuys. Please welcome two guys who won't play Misty for me, Wade Major and Mark Kaiser. Corey and his sophomore effort. Very proud of you, Corey. Uh, another listener-supplied opening, one of those new ones. Corey, why don't you go ahead and tell us who that special person is? That was written by Tav Rainey. God bless his heart. Yeah. You know, uh, go on the Facebook uh, page and tell us what you think of Corey. Yeah. And I, I'm confident that I can oh, say yes. that. yes. Because I know you love him. Did you read uh, Corey's comment on the, <laughs> on the, uh, on the Ken Russell thing? I did not. <laughs> it's really funny. No, Corey, because Corey said uh, I had commented that um, uh, either hell or heaven is a little bit crazier than, than it was right now with the passing of Ken Russell. And Corey said, I like to think uh, that God keeps him uh, waiting in a lobby for two hours and then tells him it's not happening. <laughs> Uh, and for those, who, for those for <laughs> those who don't get that, uh, there was a we Ken Russell was in town briefly uh, for some screenings at the American Cinematheque and then to promote a film or promote a retrospective. And uh, we were supposed to interview him at his hotel in Santa Monica and and put that onto Stupid for Movies. And I went down there with Corey and a full crew. Uh, and Barry and everybody. I mean, we had a full crew. It was uh, ready to do the interview. And Corey got there, and he was, you know, Corey was producing the the segment. And uh, he called up, and it was, it was like Ken answered the phone and said, ah, "Go away," and hung up and wouldn't wouldn't come down. It never happened. The publicist apologized and said it was a tough night last night. It was really hard. He wanted to fly back to England immediately. Eh, uh, you know, it was every night is tough when you're Ken Russell. Yes. He is anyway, crazy. Anyway, um, uh, straighten your microphone out there, Mark. What? Straighten your microphone a little bit. More directional. Oh, you, you mean like this? Like that. How yes. come I'm how come I am very close to the mic, whereas you are farther away? Uh, I don't know. You like to eat your mic. I, I, I'm eating I'm eating it because you're asking me to. That's fine. Okay. That's good. Right. You know, speaking of eating, why don't we... <laughs> we always talk about cooking on this show, so never DVDs, so we might as well talk about some cooking DVDs, right? Sure. Oh, what is that one? Uh, this is Cooking with Lydia. Mark, you ever heard of Lydia? Um, the only Lydia I know was the famous uh, Marx Brothers song. I want you to read Lydia's name because I'm not even going to try and pronounce that. Go ahead. Read her name. Um. struggling with this. This is going to be a great show. This is going to be a great show. Uh, by I, w- the way, I would like to read to you. By the you way, know? next week, next week, holiday show. Next week's the big holiday show. Uh, is that right? I did not yeah. know that. Yeah, we're doing the big holiday show next week. Uh, all kinds of great, fabulous, wonderful things uh, to recommend for you in the holidays. Box sets, uh, Christmas DVDs, Hanukkah DVDs, Kwanzaa DVDs. I don't know if we're going to get any of the latter, but we might. Now, instead, <laughs> of, instead of talking about Lydia, can, we, can I read the lyrics to Lydia the Tattooed Lady by the Marx Brothers? You could, for starters. Why not? Um, Lydia, oh Lydia, that encyclopedia. Oh Lydia, the queen of tattoo. Oh, yeah, uh-huh. On her back is the Battle of Waterloo. Beside yeah. it, the wreck of the Hesperus too, and proudly above waves the uh, waves the red, white, and blue. Yeah, you can learn a lot from Lydia because she's tattooed. Oh my, that's gosh. the point. Look what this up. By the way, it's on YouTube. You can hear, you can see Groucho performing this song, Lydia, the Tattoo Lady. That's fabulous. a great song, which has nothing to do with Lydia. Matichio, Matichio. <laughs> no, that's not funny. Okay, these are these. Matic- well, Mark works on it. These are from Ma- PBS Matic- on video. Matichio Bastianich. Oh, I got Bastianich. You, you, it's good try. I don't know if that's right or not. Anyway, she's just known as Lydia. There's a reason. L i d i a Lydia. Um, uh, this is for, this is from PBS uh, Home Entertainment. And, uh, you know, Lydia makes some good dishes. I Never in a million years will I be able to pronounce her name. But uh, just know that this is the best of Lydia pasta. Now, there's going to be a long, ongoing series of these. Uh, I love pasta. I shouldn't love it as much as I do. I try to eat whole wheat pasta or rice pasta or egg pasta or something that's not quite as horrible for you as the, you know, the white pasta. But it's awfully good. And uh, apart from the shrimp stuff on here, I think it's all wonderful. Uh, you don't pasta- like shrimp? 
Not really. Really? No. Who are you? Shrimp. Everything with shrimp is good. The end. What is bad that has shrimp in it? Shrimp. Shrimp has shrimp in it. (laughs) Yes, it does. I'll have to test that theory someday. (laughs) You're saying that you don't like shrimp scampi. You don't like... uh, No. You don't like shrimp cocktail? No. Really? No. What is wrong with you? The only shrimp I've ever liked, believe it or not... Is Billy Barty. No. Are those... Actually, I know know his family. I know Billy Barty's peeps. They're good peeps. Uh, I was at his funeral. You know that. Did you not know that? I did not know that. I was at Billy Barty's funeral, yeah. It was a lovely, lovely service. It was great. Um, anyway, no, the, uh, uh, the best of Lydia pasta has all kinds of stuff on it that, that does include shrimp. By the way, as I was just saying, the only shrimp I ever used to like, and I'm sure I wouldn't like it now, were those disgusting, uh, deep fried shrimp that used to get at Sizzler. All you no, could eat. no, 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 no. You know why? But, because, because that was all breading. Yeah. There's very little actual shrimp in, in most fried shrimp. Yeah. Dishes. Yeah. There's very little shrimp involved. It tastes involved. like wet styrofoam well, to me. Well, it should taste like crunchy styrofoam. That's the point. Yeah. But don't eat. No, you know, get your, You know what? Go to Mastro's. Yeah. If you go to Mastro's, the steakhouse in Beverly Hills. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of them, but the one I go to is in Beverly Hills. Uh-huh. The shrimp cocktail there is just nothing but enormous, gigantic, unadorned little commas of shrimp. That's great. All right, I'm going to go ahead and say that uh, one reason to get this is because she's got an amazing... Well, there are several um, macaroni and cheese options here, but i got to tell you... <gasps> oh, my God. Can I tell you what I had in New York? You're, you're not going to let me... We're going to spend the whole no, show no, on no, Lydia. No, no, no. Great <laughs> macaroni and cheese and some no, really, no, no, really no, no. good... Re- oh, okay. there's really Wait. good pesto okay. no, stuff on here. No one, no, no, no one cares. All right, so uh, what was I saying? Oh, okay, so yeah. I, I go, I'm in New York. Yes. I go to the James Hotel. Right. Now, the James Hotel is this uh, uh, new uh, trendy uh, sure. whatever hotel on, sure. uh, in Soho on Grand mm-hmm. Street. Yep. And they have a rooftop bar, whatever. They have a um, restaurant there. Of course. That is run by one of these uh, celebrity chefs. Mm-hmm. I, don't know how, I'm, I don't know how these people become celebrity chefs. I guess because they cook good food. I don't know. Whatever. I go to this restaurant, and it's Sunday. Just this past Sunday, like, you know, two days ago, whatever. And they had, as the Sunday special, mm-hmm. lobster mac and cheese. Oh, gross. It was, it was evil. It was so good. <laughs> it, was, it was just rich, decadent, bubbling mac and cheese with breadcrumbs on top and like five very generous little pieces, or not, they're not very little, Nasty. but five generous pieces of lobster. And yeah. it was unbelievably good. Do you eat crab? You know, you don't eat crab. No, I don't. If it it comes from the you? ocean. I don't eat ocean stuff. You don't I'm eat not, fish? No. You do not eat fish? No. Oh, is that true? No. Why it's, not? It's always ocean it's stuff. fish. Fish, shrimp, crab. You, you would not eat a salmon. Just a typical... I had smoked salmon. It's okay. <laughs> what it's, you... not like, it's not like it's pheasant or duck or anything. What meat do you eat? Birds. But, okay, so birds fly in and poop on your car. Why is that any better than swimming in the ocean? It tastes good. So birds, does fish. No, it doesn't. It tastes fishy. Um, anyway, speaking of that, apart from the fishy stuff on Lydia Celebrates America, the uh, she's apparently been on PBS forever. I'd never seen her before until these DVDs came in. Uh, she goes all she she goes all out. Christmas, Chinese New Year, and Passover. She goes crazy just trying to get all these holiday traditions in, and you know to do these traditional American dishes, and uh, really some very interesting stuff. Um, a lot of it I wouldn't eat if you put a gun to my head, but. Honestly, oh, because there's fish. No, you know that what? Evil, evil fish. Honestly, you would love this. There's a the uh, she goes in, uh, uh, to Manhattan for uh, Passover, and there's some really good stuff there, Mark. Really good, some good Passover food here. Uh, the Chinese New Year stuff, I was mixed on, but uh, you know what? Honestly, it's uh, there's a lot. Of, this is kind of fun. It's a little bit of a travel log and uh, some good dishes here. I prefer the pasta DVD though. The pasta DVD totally rocks. Wait. Can we talk about something better? Yes, we can. You love this movie, so you can talk about it. I'll let you go off. Cave of Forgotten Dreams. What's interesting about this uh, this is that it is a 3D Blu-ray, which is kind of one of the first Blu-rays, 3D Blu-rays. Of a documentary. Of a documentary, not from a major studio. Usually the 3D Blu-rays well, are always uh, the animated, big animated films. Yeah, and I mean there there've been a few a of couple these. Couple docs. There've been a, a few of these IMAX like these 3D space things. Ones yeah, and, yeah. And space and nature. But this is like a this is like a real documentary theatrically released uh, in 3D, and you know Werner Herzog 
kind of you know Tim Tim actually uh, made a good comment about this. I still don't think this thing needed to be in 3D. I don't think anything needs to be in 3D really, apart from you know stupid horror films. But uh, Tim was like, he said, you know, I can excuse this movie for 3D because seriously, when am I going to be in the cave? That's I true. Thought that was a good point. That's true. The uh, you know Warner Herzog has sort of there's two sides to his career now. He does yes. the he does the fiction films, and he's also become a very good documentarian. Yes, he has. And uh, in Cave of Forgotten Dreams, which is great, he finds this. Um, well, he doesn't find it, but he uh, he explores it and brings us along. These uh, cave paintings that are thirty thousand years old. Is that all? Yes, uh, and they know it's thirty thousand years old because uh, there's one cave drawing of Henny Youngman <laughs> saying, "Take my cave wife." That wasn't funny. That was good. No, that was good. Yeah, was that was good. It worked. Uh, I'm not it buying it. I'm not buying it. Okay. Okay. Um, so, but these caves are thirty thousand years old. Sure. And and if there is a movie that's going to be on 3D or a documentary on 3D, sure. I buy this one because, like Tim says. It's, it's a great way to experience what these caves looked like. Isn't it interesting, too, that the first two major documentaries to be documentaries in 3D are both by friends and colleagues and longtime pioneers of the new German cinema movement, Werner Herzog and Wim Wenders? Because Wim Wenders did, just did Pina uh, in 3D, which is out right now or opens next week. When is it? Which is it I've not now? seen yet. Have you seen it? I have seen it. Is it good? It is good. I don't know that it needed to be in 3D either, but uh, it, it is good. It's, you know, it's, it's a tribute to a great uh, choreographer. And the movie is basically just a series of uh, very kind of surrealistically choreographed dance tributes set in, you know, strange locations. It's interesting. Uh, well, I cannot vouch for that because yeah. I have not seen it. But I have seen Cave of Forgotten Dreams, and yeah. it is quite good. All right. Bravo. It's, by the way, the uh, Blu-ray that's 2D and 3D is on that Blu-ray, not just the 3D. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld, comedian, previously out. This is a Miramax film, and uh, it was off the market for a while, as was uh, the entire Miramax library. Now with the uh, Echo Bridge deal, it is back out again. And I actually like this. I'm glad it's back out again. Directed by uh, Christian Charles, rather capably. This was uh, Jerry Seinfeld kind of going back out on the road after the uh, show went off the air and uh, getting back to his roots. And um, you know what? It's a very, very insightful film into what goes on behind the scenes of uh, the life of a stand-up comic, yeah, even though in this yeah, case you're talking yeah. about a stand-up who is so massively successful. Yeah. It's not, you know... Not buying it. Not buying it? No. There's the Part of the problem with the film is that uh, in the movie they also follow a rising comic, this guy named Orny Adams. Yeah, true. And so part of the film is the, or- is the Orny Adams rising star thread yeah. of it, which is totally uninteresting to me. I agree, it's uninteresting. And, and the not, other very, part, not very insightful. Correct. And the other part is the Seinfeld stuff, which is kind of good. He, he has an interesting conversation with Bill Cosby at the it, end. But not representative. It's just a, it's, it's a look at him, you know, candid, unmasked, Yeah, I, 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 you like this film more than I do. Yeah. It's all right. I mean, I don't love it. I just, I like Seinfeld no, 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 as a no. person. You love it. You'd marry it if you could. Yes, maybe Canadian. I would. Uh, on the trail of the Hollywood Indian in real Indian. Now, this is spelled R-E-E-L-I-N-J-U-N. The most, uh, it, you know, meant to be a pun and a little bit uh, stereotypical at the same time. That's the irony of it. Real Indian. Um, you know, this is, um, this is obviously not going to appeal to everybody, but it is a documentary that kind of looks at the history of how the movies have portrayed Native Americans. And um, that's something we don't think about too often, actually, because, you know, Native Americans originally didn't actually play Native Americans. And uh, we think about blackface, and we think about a yellow face, but nobody really thinks about red face which was a fact for a long time. And in fact, Iron Eyes Cody, remember Iron Eyes Cody? We all look like he's the right. pollution and the tear in the eye on the commercials and the whole thing. Don't pollute America. Oh my gosh. Iron Eyes Cody was Italian. That's right. It's, it, and, and by the way, that didn't come out until years later. I know. I know. In fact, relatively recently that came out. I know. It's incredible. It's just incredible. But anyway, um, fascinating documentary. Clint Eastwood is interviewed in here. A lot of Native Americans themselves are. Adam Beach, Wes Studi. Uh, it's really uh, quite a quite a good film and put together very nicely. Um, so it, you know, if if you are so inclined, it's not everybody's cup of tea, but it's it's worth checking out. Um, a uh, another doc that I cannot recommend highly enough is These Amazing Shadows, the movies that make America. This was at the Sundance Film Festival uh, earlier this year. It is absolutely spectacular. It is wonderful. It will just enthrall you. It doesn't last long enough. It is a scant 88 minutes, and it's just not long enough. 
Um, basically, it's all about the films from the National Film Registry uh, that have, you know, we're, how, what are we, 10 years into that now? 10 or 11 years into sure. the National Film Registry? Which was started to preserve historically and culturally, culturally significant films. Uh, there's always been a lot of debate as to why we can't just sort of preserve all of them. Why we have to sort of make this list that, you know, where we're only picking and choosing a few films every year when, in fact, there are hundreds of films that are at risk of vanishing forever every year that we're not moving fast enough. But I figure, you know what, better than nothing. Uh, it at least uh, lights a fire under a few people to, to get going. The National Film Registry has a lot of weird eclectic stuff on it and a lot of great classics, and it's really a nice snapshot of... Uh, of what really have made us. I mean, the way it says the movies that make America, it's pretty true. It's on Blu-ray. You have to get it on Blu-ray. Don't watch it on anything else. Uh, it's it's just really a beautifully done thing. Another uh, really great feather in the cap for uh, PBS. They did it. They overdid themselves. They outdid themselves this time. It is just lovely. The Amazing Shadows, says Wade. These Amazing Shadows. He's on board. Uh, also from PBS, I'm on board with The Fabric of the Cosmos. This is... Uh, this is one of those... You, document- like, like the New York Cosmos, the old uh, North American Soccer League team? Yes. Totally. With, and Pele played for that he team. He did, and so did Giorgio Chinalia. Who's Chinalia. That? Whatever. Who's that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> final score, one nothing. Um, so, but I, I think this is terrific fabric of the Cosmos because it, it, it asks the type of questions that just make you go, whoa. Mm. Really heady stuff. But mm. this guy, uh, Brian Green, He's no who's Carl an Sagan. author... Billions and billions. Uh, this guy uh, Brian Green, he's terrific. He's funny and he's he's great writer. And there's some really heady questions about time. You know, what is time? Why does it only go forward? Is it one universe or multiverse or what is space? Does it go on forever? Really heady questions. But uh, but the way he asks them and the way he dives into them, really interesting stuff. Really well done. It's not it's not. But I mean, it's scholarly, but it's not dry. Good, good Blu-ray, good, uh, good high def. Yeah, I mean it's fine. You know what? Because there's a lot of graphics. As you know, you're flying through the universe, whatever. Yeah. So there's good stuff. But uh, the fabric of the cosmos uh, is really interesting stuff. Nice. Says me. Very good. Uh, there's another Blu-ray from PBS. Uh, this is from the Nature series called Jungle Eagle. Uh, no, this is this is not. Uh, you know what? It, gorgeous photography, but I'm kind of creeped out by the bird itself. I got to tell you. Um, you ever heard of the harpy eagle, Mark? Sure. What do you know about harpy eagles? Okay, nothing. Obviously, these are <laughs> these are these are uh, these are eagles that you found in the rainforest, and I find them actually kind of creepy and disturbing. And I didn't really enjoy watching this just because my idea of an eagle is 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 not is not a harpy. It's like eagle. Don Henley. It's not a harpy eagle. It's yeah, exactly. Don like, Henley. Sure, totally. You get or, it? Or, yeah, or like a band. Yeah, or like eagles? a football player from Philadelphia. I don't get it. I don't get it either. Anyway, uh, very well done, but the, the birds kind of creep me out. They're they're like if like if Polanski had cooked up a bird, this is what it would look like. Yeah, but anyway, uh, so, <laughs> you know, it's like they're freaky birds, man. It's 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 a nature. If Polanski cooked up a bird, that's what it would look like. Absolutely, I don't know what that means. Neither do I. And then we got American Restoration Volume One from the uh, the History Channel uh, via New Video. Um, you know, this guy Rick Dale, uh, who runs Rick's Restorations in Las Vegas, The whole, his whole deal here, if you haven't seen the show, is to find junk and uh, basically polish it up. And it's anything. I mean, there's no end to what he just he polishes up. And he's extremely gifted. He finds a lot of just absolutely useless, rusty, bent, completely dilapidated old crap. And by the time he's done with it, it just, it's, it's like pristine and shiny and somebody would probably pay money for it. Uh, so, I mean, the craft of it is interesting. It's just, uh, you know, like the, the old pinball machines and whatnot. I don't know that I'm interested so much in the stuff, more in the process. So make up your own mind, two-DVD set, uh, not Blu-ray, just DVD, just regular old DVD. Which I have no interest in anymore. No, I don't either. I don't want DVDs anymore. I don't either. Only Blu-rays. Yep, I agree with you. All right, uh, Mark, why don't you sort out the TV, and I'm going to blow real quickly through a bunch of compilation sets that aren't that interesting, but people should know that they're out there. So I mean, they're to, interesting. I don't want to denigrate them, but it's... So you want me to do something? What do you mean, sort them? They're, they're here in a pile in front of me. They are now well, sorted. Well, sort through what, you know, we uh, got Would you like me to make them alphabetical for you? No, uh, you know, you, you, there's some priority stuff in here. I know stuff you're more fond of than I am and stuff that you hate, like Meet the Browns, which you probably aren't going to want to talk about. So while you kind of cull that, uh, I'm, going to, uh, I'm going to talk to people about some of these compilation sets. 
Don't throw paper at me. That's not nice. Another Roger Corman uh, cult classics double feature. Uh, this is actually interesting because these are not films th- from the golden Corman period. This is, uh, uh, you know, relatively recent within the last, you know, 25 years or so, 20, 25 years. Uh, you know what? A- Angel in Red and Streets. The only thing that is interesting about this, I would say particularly Streets, is it's got a very, very young Christina Applegate in it. Um, otherwise, this is kind of gritty 90s era, late 80s era exploitation stuff. And, uh, you know, whatever. It's uh, That's kind of not a golden era of exploitation film, but it's okay. The f- these two films have a following. They're not great, but they're, uh, you know, they're... For genre fans, I guess they're okay. Uh, what's even better are a couple of uh, really terrific compilations courtesy of the uh, good people at Inception. Uh, they are two tribute collections to Kirk Douglas and to Zsa Zsa Gabor. The, uh, the Zsa Zsa Gabor set is probably more important because most people don't really realize that Zsa Zsa Gabor was something other than just a crazy old lady who slaps cops and, and it keeps going back and back and back to the hospital. And I know. And how many times has she been on her deathbed? Oh, she's in her 90s. It's just so tragic. After what? Here's the thing. It's just, I mean, she's it's, had a leg amputated and it's just, it's awful. I it, mean, at this point, there's no dignity left in her life. I don't know. Here's the thing. It's easy for us to say when you're that age, mm. you may just want to go look. My quality of life is so horrible that just I just put me out of my misery. But you know what? On the other hand, if that happens, you're dead. So maybe if you can just hang on long enough to have another couple of good meals, eke out another couple months, wouldn't you rather do that than die? I know. Well, anyway, she was, of course, one of the three uh, Gabor sisters who were kind of like the Kardashians of their day, if you think about it, although so much cooler than the Kardashians. Eva Gabor, of course, uh, famous for Green Acres, among other things, and then uh, Magda, who was not really as popular as the others. But anyway, the three Gabor sisters were all the rage back in the 1940s and 50s and even into the 60s. Um, People loved them, and uh, I loved them, and I thought they were great. Zsa Zsa less than Eva. Eva was always my speed. She was funnier, but... um, Anyway, the uh, the fabulous Hungarian Gabor sisters, Zsa Zsa, this is all about her, and uh, it's got some terrific TV appearances on here from the Milton Berle Show in 1950, and even a couple of uh, feature-length films, which are not very good. Um, they're kind of cults, like uh, Frankenstein's Great Aunt Tilly from 1984, you know, and uh, Mooch Goes to Hollywood from 1971, certainly long past her golden era, but... Um, then there's some film trailers from the 50s and all the way through the 90s. It's, uh, you know, it's kind of called together from public domain stuff mainly, but it's, you know, there's not much out there for Zsa, Zsa so I think that's great. And then there's this Kirk Douglas set, which is, uh, is pretty great. Now, the transfers are not sparkling, but you do get five feature films in here and uh, some television stuff, like from the Colgate Comedy Hour and the Jack Benny Show. And the movies include The uh, Strange Love of Martha Ivers, My Dear Secretary, The Big Trees, Catch Me a Spy, and The Master Touch, which is uh, is pretty terrific. So um, that much is really nice. And, uh, you know, it's a tribute to the guy, and he's still he's still kicking. He's There's a guy who just will not go away, man, Kirk Douglas. He's, he's awesome. Like, he's like 90-something, too, well, isn't see? he? See? He's awesome. Well, you know, he was on stage. He did a one-man show in Culver City yeah. a few months ago, yeah. maybe like a year ago. And he did that, and he was 90 years old. Totally. God love him. And then we've got a horror cinema, 25 features here. This is one of those massive compilations from Echo Bridge. Uh, you know, most of this stuff is just straight-up schlock, but there are some classics on here like The Terror and A Bucket of Blood, both of which are really great Roger Corman films. We spoke about Corman earlier. I Bury the Living is a good, memorable classic. Um, the Gorilla from 1939 is just this bizarre, weird thing, The Devil Bat. A lot of these are available widely in uh, public domain releases. And some of the more obscure stuff, uh, The Sphinx from 1933, um, Werewolf in a Girl's Dormitory is a great 60s era schlocker uh, House on a Haunted Hill of course 58 another uh, Vincent Price classic so I mean you know you can't go wrong with this if you just want something to run in the background during a party really pretty great release um, and then a bunch of Blu-ray compilations uh, they're all Miramax multi-features from Echo Bridge uh, go through this real quickly the four uh, Wes Craven presents Dracula films which is basically Dracula 2000 Dracula 2 II, Dracula 3 and They 
Um, then we've got, these are all Blu-rays, by the way, the Children of the Corn multi-feature. This is Children of the Corn 3, 4, 5, and Children of the Corn 666, Isaac Returns. Obviously, 1 and 2 not here because they're not in the Miramax library. So get those separately and then get this one. You're loaded up. Uh, the Prophecy Uprising and the Prophecy Forsaken, uh, for the Prophecy series, not bad. You know, they kind of wedge in there. They're okay. Uh, Hellraiser Bloodline, Hellraiser Inferno, Hellraiser Hellseeker, and Hellraiser Hellworld. Again, the original Hellraiser, not in this. Um, but if you want to kind of be completist about it, you got four of the films from the series in one set. Uh, this I'm very mixed on. These are four Jackie Chan films, which are dubbed, and I hate the Miramax dubbed versions of these, so I don't recommend these except to people who feel they're, feel okay like with the dubbing and don't think they're missing anything, which you are. This is Project A 1 and 2 and Operation Condor 1 and 2, which is actually uh, originally called The Armor of God and then Armor of God 2, Operation Condor. Here it was all renamed Operation Condor and Operation Condor 2, just to sound more uh, Indiana Jonesy. Um, transfers are very mediocre there. And then uh, Dust Till Dawn, Dust Till Dawn 2, Dust Till Dawn 3, and Full Tilt Boogie. The whole Dust Till Dawn uh, epic odyssey is right there on Blu-ray. Um, these are all um, perfectly fine in terms of transfer, except for the... Um, uh, the Operation Condor and Project A films, That's a, that leaves something to be desired. Dust Till Dawn is a decent transfer. The Dracula films, decent transfer. But uh, what you're looking at here is pretty much, uh, you know, just getting these full series, the full compilation action on Blu-ray. And, uh, again, state-of-the-art Blu-ray, not really, but much better than what you would get with a DVD and certainly enough to satisfy fans. Wow, Wade, blowing through the Miramax uh, multi-film Blu-rays. I'm telling you, dude, we, it's not like, you know, look, we're, we're in screener hell right now just for Lafka as well. So there's not a lot of time in our lives. <laughs> we I, really are. It's, it's really, it's obnoxious. Oh, you know what? I, I, are I, those emails driving you crazy? Uh, here's what happens. It's unbelievable. About two weeks before the LA film critics vote for Everything was quiet until 24 hours ago. I know. And then it was just like the, the, the Pandora's box opened. That's right. All the bats from hell came flying out. That's right. Because what happens is we're going to vote. There's about 45 members of the group. We're going to vote for our year-end awards, best picture, We've best We've got actor, 10 best days director. left. We've got 10 days left. Yeah. So now you— 10 days to see like 30 films. And this always I don't know how happens. the hell I'm going to do this. Emails start flying. Oh, my god. About gosh. one every 15 about Well, one every 10 minutes. Yeah. For, for <laughs> about, a, about like an eight-hour day. Yeah. Where everybody starts recommending films— Giving publicity contacts where you can get a screener sent if you haven't seen that film, well, and it, and it's it, it's it's not like you should contact uh, Warner Brothers to go see J. Edgar. No, no, no. It's you should contact this little teeny weeny publicist <laughs> who lives in a doghouse in Camarillo so that you can see the five hour Armenian documentary on on throat yodeling that uh, is just brilliant. And these sorts of recommendations go back and forth it's, for ten days. It's everyone pumping their underdogs is what it is. You know, everybody everybody in the group. It's a group of, what are, we, what are we, about 60 people now? No, it's about, 40, about 45 to 50. We're about 45. I mean, we're going to have about 30 voting members there. So we'll have about 30 people in the room. And it gets pretty volatile. And, uh, you know, everybody knows each other. And, you know, everyone starts pumping their underdogs. And the thing is, look, come on, seriously. Um, th- some of these films, some of these underdogs, you're not going to be, in 10 days left, you're not going to be able to pump it enough with enough members for it to make a difference. You know, you might get a few votes in the room and you take like a Pyrrhic victory out of it. Going, oh my gosh, my little film, seven people voted for it. But it doesn't get an award, you know. It, the major stuff is you got to see. And I'm looking at my list. I got 10 days left and I have probably, I have at least 12 major films to see in the next 10 days. In addition to everything else I do. In addition to all the DVDs. In addition to all the Blu-rays. In addition to screenings and some events. And some deadlines for some work. How the hell am I going to do that? And why on earth would I want to see the throat-yodeling do- throat <laughs> documentary? Like squeeze that in there on the off chance that it might... No, I'm sorry. It's just not going to happen. Very little of those... Uh, by the way, yeah. very little of what you mentioned do you get paid for. <laughs> it's really true. Oh, welcome to just, our world. Just want to see Mark, it. tell us about TV. Oh well, television—it's—it's it's this magical box. Yeah. Where you okay? <laughs> um, I'm gonna—I'll quit while I'm behind on that one. Mm. All right, here's some TV. A uh, Mission Impossible. Now, wait, this is not the Mission Impossible TV show with uh, Leonard Nimoy and uh, Barbara Bain. And, Nor is it the new movie with Tom Cruise that they're is, not even using his face to advertise it. Have you noticed that? Uh, have you no, seen the commercials they, no, on television? No, no, no. They use his face more. Oh, not on. I haven't seen the commercials. Can't even see Tom Cruise. Really? No. It's very funny because you know they—that was very controversial when they did that on Night and Day. Yeah. The one he did with Cameron Diaz, yeah. where the one sheet did not include his face. 
Well, that's what and they're that doing now. And was considered some sort of a nod to the fact that he's older and not uh, doesn't mean as much yeah. to younger audiences. Anyway, this is Mission Impossible, the 1988 t- TV season. Now, in 1988, Mission Impossible was brought back. Um, they brought back Peter Graves yes. to play Jim Phelps. Brought him and, out of the grave. Yes. His wife runs the uh, Classification and Ratings Administration, you know. That's right, Joan Graves. That's right, Joan Graves. The woman who is responsible for movies being rated PG, R, PG-13, that's Peter Graves' wife. Now, what's interesting about this series is that this series premiered in 1988 almost during the writer's strike. And what happened was, during the writer's strike, you couldn't write any new original material. So what they did was they... James, re- James Arness was his brother. You know that. Yes. Just, just start, James you know, Arness. So Marshall Matt Dillon's sister-in-law rates movies. <laughs> just saying. Go on, finish. Um, so to launch this series, mm-hmm. they actually took scripts from the old Mission Impossible series yeah. and updated them. That's lame. That's how they launched the show. Now, not all the scripts wound up being updates. You know, eventually the writer strike was was you know was resolved and everything was yeah. fine. But uh, you know, it's not a terrible show. It's uh, Mission Impossible. Lame. Uh, Thirty Rock season five. This is this I, I, this show's getting a little bit frenetic. Have you noticed that? Well, I, I just love Alec Baldwin. He's the greatest, too, he's the greatest of all time. It's it's almost like this is starting to get almost more a family guy. It's just it's really fragmented and everything's moving a little bit faster and I'm not sure I like that. But anyway, carry on. Bonus feature is audio commentary with a bunch of uh guest stars including Val Kilmer, John Hamm, uh deleted scenes, good stuff. I just love this show because every time Alec Baldwin shows up at anything, I it just, makes you it's, laugh. I, it's just the best. He's it makes the best. me laugh. He's the best. The end. But uh, they got to be careful. They're going to lose their. They're going to lose their spark. Well, that's got to that, keep it fresh. Got to keep it fresh. Well, that's that's a like for instance, I love Family Guy, but I think Family Guy is running out of steam. I think it's finally running out of steam. And The but Simpsons we, ran out of steam years ago. It ran out of steam like ten years ago. And what's funny because with because with the Simpsons, maintained. with the Simpsons, you're getting you know the people who write the Simpsons now. Grew up with Grew it. Grew up on The Simpsons, I know, which bizarre. I find, find very strange. Yeah. Mm. No, wait, Doctor Who. Kids love the Doctor Who. I know. I don't. Don't get it. So yeah. when I uh, checked out the complete sixth series uh, from uh, the good folks at BBC, uh, you know, whatever. Matt Smith. I know. Do you like Doctor Who? I, you know what? Uh, now it's like the young I don't, Doctor I Who. don't seem to agree with anybody on the young Doctor Who's. Uh, I, everyone's like, oh my gosh, you're so good. Nah, I, whatever. Matt Smith's okay. I, I want an older guy to be Doctor Who again. I really do. Like Ben Kingsley, make him Doctor Who. <laughs> Gary Oldman, we're going to talk about him in a moment. You know, uh, make him Doctor Who. Something. Give me a give me a Doctor who's like who looks like he's been, you know, who, who could have a PhD. Give me, give me a doctor who looks like a freaking doctor. Now, this is the complete sixth series from uh, BBC America, or BBC if you watch it uh, in the UK. Um, yeah, Matt Smith's okay, I guess. I uh, the, This is kind of a big deal, the sixth season. It's got a lot of really cool stuff in it. And, uh, you know, Let's Kill Hitler. I know a lot of people really, really like that one. Um, sure, why not? Uh, the Impossible Astronaut. Um, yeah, I, the, who I, you know who I actually really like in this? Alex Kingston, I think, is uh, is really sharp. But anyway, there it is. That's the complete sixth series. It's, it's you know, the production values are much higher than the Doctor Who we grew up with. So, uh, you know, those Tom Baker years and all that. So, fine. Fair enough. Wade, uh, Tinker, Taylor, Soldier, Spy. Ah, yes. Let's talk about this. Because this is the original Alec Guinness uh, television production, which is four or five hours long. It's pretty long. It's only 324 minutes, Wade. Yeah, that's longer than I thought. Um, Well, it's it's six. It's it's almost like a miniseries. It is a miniseries. Like like an old school TV miniseries. It's six episodes that was shown, I think, over uh, X number of weeks. The the reason this is being released now, or re-released, because this has been out before, is because, as many people know, the new movie is coming out with Gary Oldman playing Smiley, as opposed to Alec Guinness. And uh, you haven't seen the new one, have you? You know, I just got the screener in the mail today. I like the new one. I think I like the Alec Guinness better, even though it doesn't have as flashy production value. This is directed by Tomas Alfredson, who did, uh, it was Let the Right One In, right? Alfredson did the original Let the Right One In. Yes. And uh, his brother directed the sequel to uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, the second one, which was the uh, the girl with the uh, 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 ice chest in her no, closet. No, the dragon, the hornet's nest, yeah, the girl yeah, who the, kicked the, kicked the, 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 girl the girl who, who, did the, who wore us out with too many movie titles. 
Anyway, um, I, you know, it's interesting. Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy is a really, really, really good uh, Le Carre novel. It's a really good novel. I think the, 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 the ideal adaptation is somewhere between the miniseries and the movie. Because the movie is really stylish and very smart and really well acted and very professional and very cinematic and very intellectual and cerebral and paced very deliberately. This has lower production value, but I feel like this is more faithful to the, the, the nuances and the, you know, the really kind of a Cold War mentality to it. I, well, just almost, by a function of being 300 minutes, I mean, there's so much more of the novel that I can just fit feel in. Like, I feel like neither one of them really nails it. I probably prefer this, but I feel like somewhere between the two, and they complement each other. I'm not going to pick one over the other necessarily, but uh, I would say watch this one first, and then you'll probably enjoy the movie a little bit more, believe well, it or not. Well, it's great stuff. I mean, uh, uh, Alec Guinness is just great. He was a little older here. It was, there was, this was before Star Wars? No, 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 no. No, this was after Star this Wars. This is well after Star Wars, This yeah. is 79. Yeah. So... Uh, you know he's great. Yeah, I, I I think it's I think this is terrific. I mean the it movie actually, again I haven't seen, but it, and this actually didn't air here. I don't think until like early '80s. I mean I remember seeing this. I mean I may have seen it on a second run, but I remember seeing it quite some time after Star Wars. So anyway, uh, Mark, you are more qualified than anyone on the planet to talk about that right there. And I just want you to know that lenticular cover freaks me out. <laughs> I've been staring at it all week. I can't wait to get rid of it. That freaks me the hell out. Uh, the Girls Next Door is available in a uh, box set, complete series, six seasons, 17 discs. They are obviously, um, this is the, actually, this was farmed out to MPI. Yeah. So they're the ones doing the DVD. You know, the whole Girls Next Door franchise is, uh, is dead. Um, and so they're trying to squeeze one last crazy, wacky. Yeah you know money push out of this thing special features include a bonus episode uh, a pilot episode some commentaries deleted scenes and uh you know i just um think it's lame (laughs) (laughs) uh, you're you're supposed to take pride in this aren't you the one who created this show no i didn't create this show i know i i did i did do some i oversaw the production of as is Mm. my job some original internet Online only programming. Yes, that was used on E Online to support this show, and some of that stuff you can see on the individual discs, but I don't think they're on this set. Um, I didn't see any in flipping through it. Um, but anyway, it's Girls Next Door, complete series, six seasons, seventeen discs. God love you if you want it, because you. Have no taste. Okay. There you go. go. You know, Mark, the worst game show in the history of television probably is Celebrity Bowling. No, it's awesome. No. No, come on. Celebrity Bowling? Did come you ever, on. Did you ever watch that? Yes. You watched Celebrity Bowling? <laughs> I find this amazing. I didn't watch it like, uh, like a fiend, but yeah. I, I had never heard of it. And it was I local. It was all local. It was all local. It was this KTTV. Was, that's it? How do you know that? Because so Celebrity bizarre. Bowling. Good freaking grief. We were children when this thing was made. This ran for, for seven years from 1971 to 1978. I was a kid. I, I don't know why well, I never I didn't live here. I, I didn't live here until 76, so I missed the first you know five years of it. I lived here all those years. I never even heard of the damn thing. It was produced at KTTV Channel 11, which is in recently more recent, like 20 years ago, became a Fox channel. And... Um, you know, I, I got to tell you, I, this is just so weird to me. This is celebrity bowling. Now, this is not the whole season or even a bunch of episodes. This is two very specific shows. This is uh, the Brady's Go Bowling, what we're talking about here. I don't know what uh, possessed them to do this, but the people at S'more, uh, that's S apostrophe M-O-R-E, they went and they dug up, uh, you know, a couple, of, a couple of encounters on celebrity bowling that awesome. involved the actors from the Brady Bunch. It's just the worst show ever. I just can't believe this, this ran for eight years. How dare it's so you? weird. How dare you? This is, it's just so strange. It's so strange. <laughs> anyway, there it is. If you want to watch the Brady Bunch from a 1970s bowling show produced locally in, in Los Angeles. They revived this thing twice. You know, twi- you know, in, 19, in, like in the late 80s, they did another one. Cats is and then in 2008, they did a uh, really, so really small, tiny syndicated disturbing. release. You know what's disturbing, too? Tyler Perry's Meet the Browns. Uh, this is season three. Good grief. This thing just gets more obnoxious with each successive season. Um, this is almost unwatchable to me, but I guess somebody somewhere loves this thing because it just stays on the air. But I just look at this and I just think, is this progress? Because I remember the Jeffersons, and that was a really good show, and this is not a good show. But anyway, it's maybe not meant for the same audience. 
Who am I to judge? Anyway, the season three of uh, Meet the Browns. And then uh, more than marginally better is Perry Mason, season six, volume two. Still hate the fact that they do these in separate volumes, but uh, Raymond Burr, just one of the all-time TV greats. He was great as Ironside. He was great as Perry Mason. And uh, this second half of season six is still strong. This show ran for a long time and for good reason. Uh, Even though it's a courtroom drama and you think you can only do so much with a trial every week, somehow they just kept it going. And a lot of it has to do with uh, good casting, good writing, but mainly Raymond Burr. He's the man. He is the man, Wade. And, uh, you know, there was a British show called Being Human, which was eventually remade uh, here in the Americas. And uh, thrown onto Sci-Fi Channel, and uh, still called being human, and I still don't get it. Mm. It's the whole thing is that there's these, these three people. They're living in uh, they live in Boston. They're in their uh, you know there's young hand- the, the usual young handsome kids who wind up in these like sci-fi CW type yeah. shows. Yeah. But here's the thing, Wade. Mm. Hold on to your hats. Huh? One is a vampire. Oh, one is no. a werewolf. One is a ghost. But yet they have to live among us, Wade. How are they going to you know? How many metaphors can they use I for just, growing up? You know, but here, I, here are three: ghost, oh, werewolf, and vampire. I tell you though that that werewolf and vampire thing—that's original. That's never been done before. No, that's agree. really sharp. I'm uh, glad they did that. I agree. By, by the way, what's the number one movie in America right now? Um, uh, Tree of Life. If only. <laughs> okay. Anyway, being human, not uh, not for me. I'm, you know what? I'm just tired of the whole handsome vampire thing. Sixth season of Bones on Blu-ray. This is a good-looking show. i got to tell you, it's a good-looking show. Part of the reason it's good-looking, good-looking people. Uh, I really like David Boreanaz and uh, Emily Deschanel. I, I, this show has uh, kind of grown on me, and I, I'm a big fan of the Deschanel's. Father, daughters, mom, the whole thing. I love the whole family. I think they're great. Zoe on TV now as well. I hope that doesn't derail her film career, but uh, that new girl thing, she's cute, adorable, really good, liking it. She's not adorable way. She's she's adorable, I know. Really, really cute. Uh, anyway, uh, Emily, of course, now a mom. Not that anyone should care, but I'm keeping up with the, uh, the Deschanel's. You know what I'm saying? It's, uh, this is the sixth season Blu-ray, looking really good. Also includes uh, two extended episodes, a, uh, some featurette stuff, including a thing on the visual effects, which is really interesting. I didn't realize there were as many visual effects in the show as there were. And uh, a few audio commentaries and uh, gag reel. Definitely cool. Oh, wait, TV Land. What they do is in TV Land, they take a bunch of actresses who can't get work, and they give them work. What do they do? Uh, well, they give it to Wendy Malick, Valerie Bertinelli, Jane Leaves, and Betty White. This do you really show... think Betty White's that hard to get? I mean, Betty White, come on, she's a god lover, but she's 85 years old, or whatever she is. She's not getting steady work. You know, no. here comes TV Land to give her a, a $10,000 an episode. She'll, she'll, she'll kill her family. Oh, yeah. At like... 85 years old for $10,000 yeah. an episode, because yeah. she's like 85. And the rest of them, too. But um, this show for TV Land, by TV Land standards, shows a hit. They love this show. It's so badly written. It really is. Have you, have you, have you t- watched any extended episode length of this thing? It, you'll just die. It's terrible. Yeah, well, yeah, well season two is on DVD now. I know. Well, but it's you know just, what? It's just it's the unwatchable. Only, well, here, here I, I didn't know whether to laugh or cry when in the first episode of season two, Mary Tyler Moore shows up. Mary Tyler Moore whose eponymous TV I, show made me want to get into news. I know. I just... I, but they, you know what? How the mighty have fallen, that's all I can say. But the one thing is that they really know how to cart out the classic old, you know, yeah. t- you know Mary Tyler Moore's in this season, John Schneider's in this season, yeah. Perry Gilpin. Yeah, You know, it's just uh, John Lovitz. These people are not hard to book. No, they're not. It's not like, oh my God, they got... Steve Lawrence. Yeah, right. Well, anyway. Not into it. Uh, we do have a few movies this week. It's not a big, big, thick movie week, but we do have a few to talk about. And uh, I got some, uh, some Miramax catalog stuff here uh, that's out real quick. Bee Monkey, which is kind of a scandal at the time, and not really because the movie is scandalous, but Michael Radford had done uh, Il Postino, gotten an Oscar nomination, big hit film, and then this thing wound up getting caught in Miramax hell as he started fighting with Harvey Weinstein over all kinds of things. I remember at the time I was uh, editing the uh, the monthly uh, release charts for Box Office Magazine, and I cannot tell you how many different release dates B-Monkey had over the course of about a year and a half. It, it was ridiculous. This thing was going to come out 87 different times, and it just... it. By the time it finally came out, nobody cared anymore. Um, better movie than all of that might suggest. This is, it's kind of a strange misfire, but it's maybe the only performance I haven't hated Asia Argento in. 
Um, Jared Harris is also very, very good in it. Rupert Everett, Jonathan Reese Myers. Um, Jared Harris is in that. I know. Richard it, Harris's son. Yes, who tends to play really creepy parts these days. Well, but. he's in. Uh, he's the villain in uh, the new Sherlock Holmes. That's right. He plays. Uh, he plays, plays Sherlock Holmes. Uh, no, he plays uh, Doctor uh, Holmes. D- uh, no, what's his name? Yo Yo. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Holmes, yo, yeah, jeez. <laughs> wow. There's a reference that no one's going to get. We're going to send our ta- We're going to get our all of our listeners are going to go running over to Google Holmes, yo, yo, Holmes shuck. and yo, yo. Darn right, do it. Which was cr- which was a uh, it was like uh, Mel Brooks was involved in the creation of that. It was sort of a semi spin off of Jaime from Get Smart. Right? With John Shuck. With John Shuck as the as the robot. Check it out. And by the way, email us either to tell us how much you hate Holmes and Yo Yo yeah. or any reason, really. Right. At gods at digigods.com. Yes. Well, anyway, um, I, I would almost prefer, I, I'd almost call this a, let's call this like an, uh, an existentially somewhat intellectual version of La Femme Nikita. We'll leave that at that point. Um, it's, uh, it's a little bit in that vein, but it's done more intelligently, and it's uh, admittedly hard to, hard to market, but I'm glad it's out on uh, DVD again. And then Girls in Prison, not such a great film. Uh, I Own Sky, kind of uh, her career went kaput, and uh, Anne Heche has, you know, kind of float, like her. floated in the second I tier know. forever. It's so this is, this is a This is basically a, uh, a satire of all of those women in prison films from the 70s, most of which were done by Jonathan Demme. And uh, it's not a very good satire, to be honest. Uh, the only thing that's noteworthy about this is it was directed by John McNaughton, who um, is one of those guys who just, he had like a, a moment when he was like the rage, and then he just vanished. I know. It's just weird. These promising directors, they'll, they'll make one or two really interesting films, and then they just tank something horrible, and they vanish. I mean, what has happened to him? So ha- so sad. But anyway, uh, you know, if you're a fan of the films that this thing satirizes, I guess maybe it's for you, but it's a very narrow audience. Oh, wait. This year there was a movie called uh, Attack the Block, which I liked a lot. And uh, in 2010, I think, a film called Tucker and Dale versus Evil. I think this one I'm getting released this year. It, it did get released this year. Actually, you should have it in your screener pile as well. I actually know what I do. For, yeah. Um, I, they think we're going to consider it for awards. Are they nuts? I know. Seriously. The funny the thing is, I like this movie. It's kind of funny. It uh, it's a, it's a, it's a kind of film that I would hate because I would think it would either wouldn't be funny or yeah. would try too hard. But yeah. um, I think it's cute. It's funny. It uh, it take it sends up all those slasher films. You know, it, it's almost like it. Um, you know, like Shaun of the Dead was kind of a spoof of zombie yeah, picks. Yeah. This is kind of a spoof of you know chainsaw slasher picks. Oh, maybe I'll watch it. And then. Uh, it's very violent, but it's funny. And uh, there's a wood chipper in it, and I liked it. Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Does it need to be on Blu-ray? Absolutely not. Special features include uh, some outtakes and storyboards, commentary with the director, and uh, it's good stuff. You know what? I'll buy it. Tucker and Dale versus Evil. It's funny. Cool. Uh, quick little uh, shout out for this Warner Archive Collection title here called Housewife. This is of course a uh, DVD R. You can get it at Warner Archive. Dot com. A uh, Warner Brothers effort from uh, kind of the early stages of Betty Davis's career, and uh, it's an okay film. It's not not great. It's almost more of a novelty just because it's got a, uh, a young, uh, very, very tempestuous Betty Davis in it, along with uh, George Brent and Dvorak and uh, Johnny Halliday. Not the Johnny Halliday, who is a French uh, rock singer, just a guy from the era that has been long, long forgotten. Um you know, it's it's okay. Um, again, if you're if you're just a completist on Betty Davis, go check it out. But uh, nothing to nothing to really phone home about. And then you know what, Mark? I love this movie, Our Idiot Brother. I loved Our Idiot Brother. Really? I'm glad it came out because it's reminded me that I actually in our voting, I think I, there are some performances in here. I may just give a point or two to uh, to Paul Rudd for best actor in this movie. Oh, you're gonna do, you, you you will do that. I would if if you feel like when the room finally comes around to you. And it's obviously uh, whatever Brad Pitt yeah. or Michael Shannon yeah. or whatever it's going to yeah. be, just as a joke, yeah. to see if you got a laugh in the room. Yeah, it's true. So that's why. Here's what I'm thinking: I might do when Best Picture comes around. Mm. I might throw a point to Jack and Jill. Wouldn't that be awesome? That'd be great. Now this is terrific. Paul Rudd plays this. Uh, just he wants to love everybody. He just wants to be honest and truthful and loving. And uh, he winds up trying to sell pot to a cop because he's such a nice guy. Goes to jail, comes out, gets on probation, and his three sisters have to juggle him while he's on probation and has nowhere else to stay. They are played by Elizabeth Banks 
Emily Mortimer, and of course the lovely Zoe Deschanel, who we talked about earlier. You know I'm all about the Deschanels. Uh, it's, you know, I really think this is just a fun, sweet, incredibly uh, cool film. They changed the ending after Sundance. And I got to tell you, the new ending, better. I usually don't say that because uh, they've ruined... I've seen a lot of Sundance films that had different endings, and they've ruined them. Uh, just completely destroyed them after they uh, got into theatrical release. But in this case, I think the uh, the new ending actually works better. Uh, so uh, that being said, you've got to check it out. It's on Blu-ray. Uh, not a must-see on Blu-ray, but I, I, it's certainly better than the DVD. It did. A, it's really, really nice, and I'm I'm glad. I'm glad. Uh, you know, Weinstein did a good job with this. So, bravo, Paul Rudd, our idiot brother. Blu-ray, get some. Uh, also, Five Days of War is a really interesting film that I uh, I recommend because this is maybe the best film, the, on, the only real film Rennie Harlan has ever made, and it's gotten no traction. Um, this uh, Rupert Friend, not my favorite actor necessarily, but he's uh, quite good in this, actually. This is uh, uh, Rennie Harlan trying to make a much more serious film about a very, very serious subject matter, which is, is of course, the uh, military action in uh, former Soviet Georgia when it was caught in uh, a clash with Russia and after the disintegration of the uh, Soviet Union. And uh, it's a little bit like Welcome to Sarajevo in the sense that you're, you're focused on the actions of journalists who are trying to capture human atrocities and get, it at the, get news to the outside world. Um, it, it sometimes veers into the action and then the sensational. You feel like Rennie Harlan can't quite give up the old Rennie Harlan and actually make a straight-up kind of serious Oscar drama. But that being said, it's as good as anything he's ever done. Uh, he's really taken a step toward doing something relevant and important and uh, shows flourishes that I've never seen in him before as a filmmaker. So uh, on that level, I really recommend it, and it's a really good Blu-ray also from uh, Anchor Bay, like the uh, like uh, uh, the Anchor Bay release of uh, My Already a Brother, Weinstein film, but Anchor Bay Blu-ray. Really good Blu-ray, very nicely done. And then uh, the last regular film release is One Day. Mark, did you see the One Day? Yes, and it it was only about 90 <sighs> minutes, but it felt like a day Gosh, as you watched I it. I don't know. I really wanted to like this movie because I... Lone Scherfig is a terrific director. I, I love her. I love her. And Education was her first big film, and it was so good. Yep. And this, the idea here is really cool. I mean, that we revisit this one day that this couple spends together over and over and over. Um, you know, they, that they meet one day, right? It's, it's, you're, you see their relationship over the course of a period of time, but it's only one day. But, the, it's, he, but the, it's almost flawed on its face because... That's a conceit that you can't pull off. Yeah, and you're not really seeing the arc of the relationship. All yeah. you're seeing is these, these is the big, it, these huge, fragments. fragmented moments. And you've got to fill in the blanks. Right. You got to sort of put the mortar in yourself. And, you know, I I mean, it's ambitious. I wish it were better, but I feel like it could have been better if they had cast someone who actually could pull off the English accent. Anne Hathaway, not good. You know what Anne Hathaway is? Hmm. Delicious. Although I heard she was getting married. You're a big fan of hers. I heard she was getting married. Is she? Not to me. Yeah, clearly. Anyway, maybe it's not clearly. Maybe I maybe I was in second position. Yeah. Maybe she was deciding between me and whoever she's going to marry. Well, you ever think of that? This is on um, Blu-ray and DVD, and um, it's got a, you know a few featurettes on it, uh, some deleted scenes, and then a uh, Lone Scherfig commentary that is actually better than the film. Lone Scherfig is wonderful. I just want her to do some great films, but I, I get I get worried whenever a great director has a film that just kind of doesn't sort of work. Because then they, especially if you're a woman, the standards are so much higher. Like you just, they're not forgiving of women directors. Well, especially if it's your second film. Because now yeah, exactly. the industry doesn't know, did you get lucky with the first one and you're really not a good director? Or did you just have a misfire and we'll give you another shot? True. You know, that's why, you know, uh, two of the best women directors are, are out of England, right? Are out of uh, the UK right now. Lynn Ramsey. True. And um, the other one, Lynn Ramsey and... Uh, I got to watch that film tonight, Andrea Arnold, huh? Andrea Arnold, really good. I know. Yeah, Lynn Ra- I got to watch that Lynn Ramsey film tonight, too. Okay, can, I, can, can, we, do, yeah. can we say something that's not about uh, sure. uh, DVDs and sure. Blu-rays? Okay, the Lynn Ramsey film. There's a choice. We got to talk about Kevin. Let's not talk about Kevin. Something about Kevin. What's the title of it? How's it go? Uh, There's something about Kevin. Yeah. There's something we, about uh, Kev- Kevin and Mary. We uh, we have to talk about Kevin. We have to talk about Kevin. That's it. Um, Not a good title. Okay. 
there's a choice that she makes in steering one of the performances. Oh, you've seen it? Yes. Okay. There's a choice that she makes in steering one of the performances that I totally understand, but I couldn't stop laughing. Seriously? Yes. Really? That really ruined my experience watching the movie. My goodness. Now, you don't know what I'm talking about. I, well, I'll, I guess I'll know when You'll I see know. it. Did you see Beautiful Boy, by the way? No. See, those two movies are basically about the same thing. You yeah, know? a kid dies in a something or kills the, well, somebody. The, oh, kill somebody or... Yeah, and the parents are like, it's the, it's the trauma that the parents deal with. But in Beautiful Boy, I got to tell you, I, and I'm dying to see Tilda Swinton's performance because I love Swinton. I just, you know, I love Tilda. I'm all about Tilda. If Tilda were a, were a De Chanel, I, it would make my life. But um, the, I'll tell you, uh, Beautiful Boy is a hell of a film. Really? Yeah, it really is. It's a hell of a film. Well, so. but you know what Lynn Ramsey's sensibilities are, so mm-hmm. you know how that story will be presented sure. as well, a Lynn Ramsey film. The thing that makes Beautiful Boy is Maria Bella, who with Michael Sheen, they play the parents, and it's about how it tears the marriage apart and brings them together and tears them apart. And, you know, but I'll tell you, Maria Bella is awfully good in it, and I just think she's gotten such a shaft in her career. So I'm curious to see the two mother performances. I am. Uh, let's knock some concert and music stuff out of here uh, real quickly. Uh, Blu-ray, Deep Purple with Orchestra. Uh, I love Deep Purple. I'll tell you. Smoke on the water. Come on. Give it up. This is from uh, Eagle Eye Media. It's on Blu-ray. Live at Montreux in 2011. And there's just fabulous stuff here. Deep Purple, one of the great bands of the 60s and 70s. Um, just so fabulous here. It was really, really cool. Um, some of the tracks that they just let rip in fantastic fashion. Contact Lost. When a Blind Man Cries. Lazy. No One Came. You know, apart from, I mean, Smoke on the Water, of course, is here. It's way down at the end. But, you know, come on. They do a lot of great stuff. Maybe I'm a Leo. It's a good band. Love them. Really, really good. Uh, New York Dolls looking fine on television. This is, uh, if you've seen New York Doll, the really great documentary, you will love this. Uh, New York Dolls, obviously not everybody's cup of tea, part of that whole glam rock thing in the 70s. But, love them. Uh, David Johansson. I tell you, David Johansson, before he became Buster Poindexter and uh, various other things, he's just a weird dude. They were sort of like uh, punk before punk. Yeah, but these are these are all kinds of really rare clips and uh, interviews that were filmed by Bob Gruen and Nadia Beck. And uh, it includes a lot of really rare early stuff that I just don't think is anybody has seen before. So it's for fans of the New York Dolls, pretty terrific. Also includes a uh, 1976 interview with David Johansson and Johnny Thunders. Johnny Thunders. Yeah, without New York Dolls, there wouldn't be like I know Blondie or the Ramones. Oh, I know. Whatever. I know. It was they. They pioneered. They pioneered, baby. I'm also a big fan of Pablo Francisco. He does a lot of funny, funny impressions. He's got a new disc out here that was originally seen on Comedy Central. They put it out there. Uh, you know, it's just Pablo just doing his thing, and uh, he's funny. It's good, 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 uh, good stand up. Really good stand up. One of the guys that keeps it real for a long time. Uh, Steve Winwood live in concert. Uh, this is uh, an artist who had a great. Moment. Loved him in the 80s. In the 80s and kind of uh, fell out of favor, but he's got a great voice and he's a terrific guitarist and a good songwriter. And uh, there's a bunch of good stuff here. It's on Blu-ray and DVD. You'll hear Back in the High Life again, probably his most famous song. Yeah. And uh, Can't Find My Way Home, another one of his most famous songs. Totally. Good stuff here. Uh, not a very well put together DVD, kind of cheap packaging, but uh, still, it is good stuff. Steve Winwood live in concert. Absolutely. I like the Blu-ray. It's nice. And then uh, Blu-ray of God Bless Ozzy Osbourne. I bet you never thought you'd hear those words. God Bless Ozzy Osbourne. Uh, you know, this is a documentary about the man I never thought they would actually make a documentary about. It uh, was at Tribeca Film Festival this year, and it's actually surprisingly good. It uh, gets inside. I never really thought I'd want to know this much about Ozzy, but, you know, after having seen the Osbournes on television, it's like, how much more can there be, really? I, we've just seen inside your life all the way to the core, but... Actually, uh, this is kind of not sensationalized, and uh, it's got some pretty frank moments in it. So I was, uh, I was really compelled, i got to tell you. I, they, they found some angles to Ozzy that I, I really thought were pretty cool. It doesn't really need to be Blu-ray necessarily, but uh, I'm glad it is, kind of. Wait. Yes. Hang on. Yeah. But what, before what? you pick that up, yes. I want you to open up this Netflix, oh, uh, Netflix, Netflix envelope and tell me what, what, what you movie, got from Netflix. What did I get from Netflix, Wade? Uh, how the hell do these things open? Open along edge. Give me that. Okay, fine. Hold on, hold on. I got what, it here. Tell me what it is. What is this? What did you get from Netflix? You got Rush Beyond the Lighted Stage. Yeah, documentary about Rush, Wade. 
Now, why did I have you open this because, on the show? Because it's one of the titles we're talking about. No, this week. no, 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 no. This Isn't is a it? different one. This is oh. Rush Time Machine. Oh. This is a DVD, Rush Time Machine, live in Cleveland, yes. 2011. Now, wow. uh, I'm a big fan of the Rush Wade. I know you are. As you can tell. Because yeah. I just Absolutely. Their DVD. Um, Rush Neil, Time Neil Machine. Neil Pert much? Huh? Neil Pert much? Oh, it's the best. Yeah. These guys, I've seen them live. They are a terrible stage presence. Yes. They're amazing musicians. All, all three of them. Tom Sawyer. And this Today's is, uh, Tom Sawyer. There's two sets. Uh, Tom Sawyer's in here, of course. Limelight, The Camera Eye, uh, YYZ, Closer to the Heart, the whole thing. Everything, everything's in here. And uh, it's great. It's great. The only thing that's not in here that I would have liked is um, uh, The Big Money. Big Money not in here. But uh, the rest is Rush Time Machine 2011. Great. I wish it was on Blu-ray because I really would have liked to see it totally high def. Um, but it's good. Bravo. I love it. I love Rush. Rock on. All right. With that, we are done. We will uh, be back next week with our holiday show. Tune in for the big holiday show next week. Lots of great, cool titles. And if you want to email us, email us, as always, at gods at digigods.com. And visit the Facebook page. Please make comments. And as always, we welcome audio listener mail. If you want to make a recording, we will include it on the show. See you next week. Music.